All right. Test, test, test. Perfect. All right. We will go in three, two, one. Another week, another edition of the Pat Richter Show here on ESPN Madison. How you doing, everybody? Happy Saturday morning. Alex Strofe alongside the man, the myth, the legend, the great former Wisconsin Athletic Director, Pat Richter. Pat, how are you this week? Doing great. What, what's the myth? What's the myth? The man, the myth. The oh, myth. good point. Uh, the, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the myth is. There's yeah, no there myth when it comes to you, Pat. That's a great point. We don't point. talk about those things. <laughs> All right. We're not... Uh, we're, we're not superstitious people around here. Are you a superstitious guy, Pat? Not at all. No, and not really. Mean it. So what, the, only, the, only, the only superstition was basically when I was a bad boy, you know, 50, 60 years, 60 years ago plus. And, uh, you, and that carried through in terms of baseball career. You never put the bats away until the final out, no matter what the score is. You never, never touch the bag. Okay. So I, that was the only myth or mystique type of thing, I guess. Uh, okay, so when you were an athletic director, there was no like lucky pair of socks or anything. No, not really, uh, not at all. I, uh, I guess I just kind of left that out on the, the limb someplace and never picked it back up. But uh, that was the only one, the baseball deal. Fair enough. Okay, interesting. I appreciate that insight. Yeah, you know, I've never been a superstitious guy either, but maybe we should have been uh, last weekend, Pat, as uh, the Green Bay Packers could have used some extra luck as they fall uh, to the San Francisco 49ers in the divisional round last Saturday. Uh, I was there as a fan, Pat. I didn't wear my lucky socks. I don't have any, but maybe I should have uh, thought about that before going to Lambeau Field because uh, that was... An ugly game in many facets. The only positive, really, was the Packers' defense, but that wasn't enough to uh, to win in the divisional round. So another disappointing ending to the season for Green Bay. What's your initial reaction uh, from that? Well, you know, that you bring up a point, and that maybe is about as close to a – it's not a superstition or anything like that. I, but it seems to me that uh, it happened in the Ram game as well. But sometimes when you get a, a good uh, drive and get points early on and it seems like it's easy, you know, there's something about it. I mean, I don't know whether it's psychological, but, uh, you know, it's tough to get it out of your mind. It's saying, you're thinking to yourself, hey, this is pretty easy today. We're going to have an easy day of it. And I'm not saying that that's what happens. But more times than not, uh, it, uh, it's something that kind of comes to play. You know, the Rams, great example of that, whether you get something up front, and then you kind of get a little more conservative. I'm not sure, but the Rams, you know, 27 to three, they've had their way with everybody, and all of a sudden they can't hang on to the ball. The, I mean, the snap. I mean, you could have made that stuff up, you know, in terms of making makes making mistakes. And so that maybe uh, was really what caused it. I mean, that first drive. I I mean, I don't think there's a person alive that was a Packer fan that wouldn't say, "Hey, this looks like it's going to be a piece of cake today." The way we're really moving the ball. And uh, no, not to be. And all of a sudden, you never get back there and score. And the things that uh, happen on the special teams, you know, the blocked uh, field goal, the punt, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about letting the guys in, whatever. I put a little bit of that on the, the punter as well, having punted all the time. You know, when you take, get a snap, and you're generally speaking, you're 14 yards deep, and that's what they were, he was 14 yards deep. And especially when you're down, backed up against your, your own goal line. You know, you when you look at the ball, when you snap back and you're looking down to catch the ball, you, uh, there was all like a peripheral vision on the top of your eyes. Senses, is there a rush on or not? I mean, you've got to think about that. It's just kind of a, uh, a, a kind of second thought, so to speak. 
in terms of is there a rush or not, how fast, how much time do I have? And uh, he didn't, didn't. He doesn't do that. I mean, I don't know that everybody does that, but there was not a sense of a big rush here in terms of saying he turned sideways. For a lefty, it would have been tough. He would have naturally turned left side, and he would have been kicking into the guy coming in the block. But a right-handed punter you know, would have gone to the right and tried to kick it almost soccer style and just get it out of there. The main thing at that point in time is to get it out of the end zone and get it, make it, give the defense a chance to make a stop, not just to go and walk in and get a touchdown tie the game. Four minutes left in the game, and that's a devastating uh, situation. And it never should have come down to that, as we all well know. But, uh, you know, the, to have the defense hold them and nobody scores a point uh, offensively, you know, other than the field goal, is just crazy. I mean, uh, it it was probably, uh, you know, the only thing saved the whole weekend with that game was the fact that it was probably the best playoff game weekend football NFL has ever had. I mean, you couldn't have scripted it any better. And unfortunately, we kind of started it off for the home team taking it on the lumps. So, uh, but it was it was really, I don't know that there was a game that I've ever watched or been involved with, whether it was on the Packer board or not, that really kind of gutted you more than anything else. I mean, you just, you just felt kind of sick to your stomach about the way it ended up, yeah. that there were so many opportunities to win that game and so how fragile this whole thing is. And getting back to the Super Bowl is not easy. There's a lot of things that go into play in that respect. And so I'm sure that Aaron felt the same way. He, he was probably not happy with the way what he did in terms of picking it out. But as the weather got a little worse as the game went on, it maybe were more difficult to move the ball. And I think probably... Nothing's been said about it, but probably we missed A.J. Dillon a little bit, too. He didn't get back in there, it didn't seem like. And he was important in the kind of the he and Jones together in terms of running game. You know, there still probably would have been an opportunity to keep running the ball game. But, you know, they made a good adjustment. They took the game away from uh, uh, Devontae Adams. They, they figured they'd stop him. They'd shoot, throw the ball to somebody else. Well, we didn't do that very much, and it worked out for them. And, uh and we just didn't adjust to the same way that they made an adjustment at halftime. Yeah, Rodgers threw the ball 27 times. 21 of those passes was to, uh, in the direction of either Aaron Jones or Devontae Adams. So that's obviously uh, something that's come up quite a bit uh, in this past week of, of reaction. But, Pat, let me ask you this. What was the biggest issue for you? Is Obviously, there was two major things, in my opinion, that went wrong. And that was, A, the offense only scoring 10 points, and B, obviously, the, the special teams uh, having a couple of blunders, the missed, or the blocked field goal at the end of the first half, and then obviously the blocked punt for the touchdown. Both of those very crucial in, as to why the Packers lost that game. But, but which one do you view as, as the bigger issue? The, uh, Aaron Rodgers led offense only scoring 10, or the special teams a uh, couple of blunder, blunders like there's been all season? I think you got to put it on the special teams. I mean, the fact that you only scored seven, it's still seven more than the other guy did have, and we wouldn't have had the problem if we stopped the special teams. And you know, it's been an issue all year. And and I, and the, you know, you have to, it's not as simple as the coaching and tell you do this, do that, block this guy, block that guy. I mean, that's the way it is. Maybe they did some different things, but the, I think you mentioned before, when you get into special teams, you start. Uh, you know, the special teams coach, generally speaking, gets whoever they. In terms of going down under the kicks, I mean, I, I noticed on a uh, couple of the kickoff uh, kickoffs that we had, and the guys running down or punt returns and things like this, guys uh, that are running down, 
there are a couple of names that I didn't even realize they were on the squad. And, uh, and so it's a different situation. And, and sometimes you have to have first-teamers out there because they're, they're in the game, they're tackling people, they're hitting people, they're, they've got the feel for the game. You know, I mean, the fact is, is that we've had this problem most of the year, and uh, one thing or another, it's it's uh, you're saying you got to stay in your lanes, and certainly the other guys trying to make sure that you get out of the lanes, and they, you try to turn and keep them down there and kind of pull in the sides. But if they ever get around the corner on the outside, uh, you don't have anybody back there, and so they have, uh, you know, that that I think you is probably really underestimated the special teams. I mean, whether it was just those two things or not. You know, it's a it's a situation where that's a third of the game, and uh, and in our case, it really was a killer. Psychological, you know, you go into the halftime, 49ers had turned the ball over. We go in a chance to kick a field goal. Uh, we know how important those three points would have been, and uh, just didn't happen. And so, psychologically, they're they're feeling pretty good. If you go in with a field goal, you get up on it, and then you come out in the second half, and you got the ball, and you're on the offense. You know, it makes all the difference in the world. This is the Pat Richter Show here on ESPN Madison. Alex Strofe hanging out with the former UW Athletic Director, Pat Richter, the man and the legend, not the myth, of course. Uh, <laughs> and, and Pat, uh, we'll get into this a bit more when we get to Sands of the Week next, but uh, Aaron Rodgers, obviously his future is, a, is what he's called before a beautiful mystery. Uh, when you view this playoff loss on, on top of the many others that have happened since that Super Bowl win in the 2010 season, how do you view Aaron Rodgers' legacy as a Green Bay Packer uh, if this does happen to be his last year? Obviously, the, the one Super Bowl, the several MVPs, but a, a lot of playoff losses to go along with it. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to point fingers or anything like that, but you can certainly, on this one, for example, just with the question you asked a minute ago, you know, you can point some other direction. It's not necessarily, I mean, he we did enough to win. Maybe it wasn't his best game, yeah. didn't have a good rating, threw too, too many guys, uh, the same touches and things like this. But in spite of it all, we could have won the game. And, and like it or not, you know, we like to say, well, we'll get these teams on our turf, playing up in Green Bay and whatever. I mean, there's now there's heaters on other different things. And some people just get all cranked up for that kind of a game. And so I don't think the fact that it was, uh, you know, the cold was uh, was in our favor necessarily. It's cool for everybody and the fans and whatever when they're in the game. In a game like that, it's very difficult to get a big crowd uh, response and things like that. Uh, I don't think that uh, – I, I think there's two ways you can look at it. One is that you don't want to – Leave that as the lasting memory of what's going on, and uh, and you want to do something to rectify it. I think that many of the things that are going on, that will go on here with respect to uh, whether they make an opportunity for him to come back or not, are kind of you know out of their hands. I mean, there's only so much you can do, I guess, in terms of salary cap and what you can do, and without uh, doing things that destroy the you know, the uh, the long-term prospects of the game. And so it's going to become complicated. And whether or not he does something like a Tom Brady in terms of reduction or restructuring and things like this, who knows. But the fact is, is that, uh, you know, if you say, well, you're going to go someplace else, you know, the, the grass is not always greener over there on the other side. You know, whether you go into a different side of things in the AFC and whatever, you know whether or not uh, the game the way it turned out, uh, anybody might think of saying, "Well, gee, 
maybe we we don't want to go after him because uh, maybe starting some of the age is starting to show. Who knows what the thinking is at that point in time? I mean, obviously he had a, a valuable, most valuable player season, and uh, the Packers did just about everything. I mean, I think you hear some of the comments that he made and whatever. He even mentioned Gutekunst by Brian and I mean, whether it's a leak or not, but uh, I think he's certainly going to be sensitive in terms of what's going to be. And you got Devontae Adams is up for a, a big number, and went on the franchise route, which you know, holds everybody together for a year. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting situation, and it's not. I don't think anybody's got a simple answer to it. Say, well, you just do this and that and whatever. We can make it work. If you can bring back the team intact. And we get the guys healthy with Jenkins and and Bakhtiari get healthy and come back again. Um, you know, that's a different story. And so uh, it, it's not an easy decision. Uh, obviously, it's emotional. And uh, but I think that uh, you, know, you could you could say that contrary to saying, well, if he had to win the game to stay there, uh, you know, there's unfinished business here. And sometimes that's what athletes like to tack on. And, and and not leave their uh, legacy with a game like them Saturday. No doubt about it, Pat. And you you reference uh, some of those things that Aaron Rodgers had to say. So wh- why don't we get into uh, some sounds of the week here on the Pat Richter Show, brought to you by Simden Chevrolet in Mount Horeb. You're only minutes away from a better buying experience at Simden Chevrolet in Mount Horeb. And, Pat, uh, we're just going to dive into a lot of the Aaron Rodgers uh, sound from this week. So we'll start with, like you mentioned, him speculating about his future. This is from the Pat McAfee show earlier this week. One thing I would not do, 100% would not do, is retire and then, you know, come back a year later. I don't I don't have any desire to do that. That, that makes no sense. Um, I feel like I'm at, I'm at the place relationally with the Packers, you know, in a really good place, especially with uh, with Brian. And the way our friendship and, and trust has, has grown, it would be a simple conversation and whatever comes out of that conversation is moving forward. There's not going to be any weird, you know, standoff, uh, you know, war of silence or anything. It's, you know, Brian and I have had good conversations throughout the year. And, and when, it, you know, when it comes time to make a decision, we'll have a, we'll have a conversation and, and that'll be that. There won't be. It won't be a long, drawn-out process, and, and uh, I think that's what's best for me, for him, for the organization, and for all the other decisions that need to be made. So you just mentioned it in the last segment, Pat. I mean, it seems like there's been a lot of growth there between Aaron Rodgers and Brian Gutekunst, calling him by his first name, r- referring to their friendship, which I don't think he would have done nine months ago. So uh, that should at least be a little bit, uh, you know, a, a bit of a thumbs up and, and a positive for Packers fans to take away. Yeah, I think that really is almost, you don't really read into it, which you might want to think you heard, but the fact is, I think it comes down to saying, well, it's business. It's uh, it's, it's really business. It's a question of, are there things that can be done that would make the Packers strong next year and have an opportunity under different circumstances to have a shot at the Super Bowl and and perhaps a, a better opportunity to do that in Green Bay than anywhere else and can that be done with uh, protecting the long-term prospects of say Aaron got hurt or something happened and and couldn't play anymore or whatever in terms of okay now what do you do and so uh, I think that there's a kind of almost a fiduciary relationship there uh, and a responsibility 
to do the right thing for the team as well. I think certainly, you know, we didn't see anything out of uh, Jordan Love that says, hey, you know, like we did with, with uh, when Brett was back and forth. And uh, and I think everybody knew and the players knew what they had in uh, in uh, Aaron Rodgers. And it worked out fine and smoothly. And uh, that is not the case nowadays in, in terms of what's going to happen. I mean, if something is made a deal, if you make a, have to make a trade or whatever, I mean, get, get a quarterback and two other number one picks or something like that, who knows what it's going to be worth. Uh, it's pretty hard to say, and and that's what they'll have to assess. And uh, I think if it all happens, it's it'll be understandable on both sides if said we have to go this direction because this is what's happening and this is where we're at and we'd be foolish not to uh is one on one hand or saying hey we restructured some things and whatever we're able to keep the team intact and give it another go and uh and make some prudent uh, you know they made some great you know free agency uh decisions and some pickups and things like this and I think in that respect, they maximize that uh, that opportunity, and so that's going to be very important as well. And to go on forward and do the same sort of things and try to help themselves in that regard is very important. Yeah, I think you make a really good point there, right? I mean, Brian Gutekunst proved this year, if anything, he's been pretty solid when it comes to those low-risk, high-reward moves, right? I mean, two names jump off the page right away when I say something like that. Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas. I mean, those guys were both terrific. Uh, Devondre Campbell, the first-team All-Pro. Rasul Douglas, not far behind him with the, uh, the with the appreciation and love he's been shown uh, since the regular season ended. So he's gone out and made some really good moves and obviously brought in Randall Cobb, one of Aaron Rodgers' best friends. So uh, I the relationship improved due to some really good moves, I, I think. Yeah, and I think that, you know, you, you look around the team and say, okay, where can you poke at it a little bit to try to do some uh, either cutting of salary or or maybe improve your team in a different position? I mean, this is one of the first years in a long time we haven't sat here and said, geez, I wish we had better cornerbacks and we had defensive right. backs who really were a problem. And I mean, this year wasn't that, that wasn't an issue. And uh, we seem to have found a few guys that could fill the breach and uh, and maybe allow us to make some you know prudent trades because everybody's looking for cornerbacks and and we seem to have an abundance and so that may be an opportunity and uh, and I think that uh, that's that's where they're probably looking at right now in terms of shopping things around checking the lines and uh, and doing putting a pencil to the numbers and things like this to see what uh, see whether it's even practical or feasible to do because you you're not only talking about Aaron, you're talking about Devontae Adams as well. I mean, I, I don't know that, uh, I mean, on the one hand, you've got Bakhtiari, and he's locked in, and he's a good friend of Aaron's. And on the other hand, we've got uh, Devontae Adams, and he's, you know, up for a contract, and uh, he's not locked in. So, you know, it's the question is whether or not you know, he feels the same, you know, allegiance to Aaron. Obviously, he's done an awful lot for his career, and whether or not he, uh, feels that it's necessary to be in lockstep with him because, in fact, if Aaron goes someplace else, uh, that uh, can they afford to, to take uh, you know, Devontae Adams with him? And so that's there's just a lot of questions. It's hard to speculate on this. 
It is hard to speculate with it being so fresh. But I'll tell you what, Pat, you're not just a really smart guy with a ton of insight. You're a damn good radio host, too. Here's Aaron Rodgers on uh, on the timeline for Devontae Adams and how that will play into his decision. One decision that, that will be upcoming will be, obviously, Devontae and his future with the team. There still is this thing called the franchise tag, which... I you know don't think seventeen wants uh, wants the franchise like no player ever wants the franchise ever, but that uh, decision on that I believe is in February in late February so I think that should be enough time to make a decision um, by then um, I don't want to put myself on a specific date but I, again I do want to be sensitive to uh, Devonte and many other guys who uh, you know have decisions to make on their own futures and to drag it out past. Agency would be disrespectful to the organization and to those guys, and that 100% will not happen. Well, there you go, right? I mean, so he, he is thinking about number 17, Pat, as he, as he referenced just a second ago. So I, I think the possibility of these two being teammates again, whether that's in Green Bay or elsewhere, is actually pretty high. Yeah, I think the the whole question, and I don't know the answer to this, is if, in fact, there's a franchise tag, what is that number? And what is the number that he's maybe leaving on the table, and whether or not to him, that's that, if that makes the deal happen for Aaron, whether it's worth it for him to stick with him, because certainly, you know, he's been a big part of the success that he's had, and uh, and going forward, have been the same thing. So, so that uh, there's probably a number in there somewhere that says Devante said, you know, and just throwing a number on uh, whether this is real or not, I don't know, but maybe say. 28 to 30, 30 million or something like that to something like or 25 and whether or not the franchise tag is like 20 you know franchise takes about 16.5 last year 16.5 and whether that stays the same and and how much is, are the receivers getting and what the difference is is it worth it for a couple million dollars in terms of uh uh, losing that uh, that uh, opportunity to play with Aaron, you know, maybe not. Maybe Aaron chips in a little bit as well. There's probably maybe a deal in there somewhere, but whether or not, it, I mean, the one guy is, is kind of not sure how long he's going to be, whether it's three to five years. The other guy is maybe at five to seven, but can he be the same guy in a different place? There's always that question. Right. And uh, it's just... You have to appreciate that there's an awful lot of moving parts in here, and I think everybody's respectful of that, and Aaron understands it better than anybody. And it sounds like he's going to make decisions based on where that direction is going. And I think certainly if the Packers can make a deal with Adams, it would maybe make a, almost a surety that he would stick with the Packers if, in fact, that's doable under the current structure, financial structures. Yeah, you're you're absolutely correct, and you have a better idea of how how that all works uh, than I do. But I mean, it's it's very obvious with how far over the cap the Packers are. Some tough decisions are to come, and whether that be around Aaron Rodgers, whether that be around uh, letting Devontae walk, it, it'll be fun to see. But one more tough decision that will be uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks is again around Aaron Rodgers. He talked about the possibility of retirement. Uh, here's our last clip today, Pat, here in San Luis. There's not any fear, for sure. I talked about that last year. With the, the I don't have a fear of retirement. I felt I felt that during the off season. So there's not any fear around it. Um, the uncertainty is not unsettling at all. Uh, it's almost like thinking about what life uh, is going to look like moving forward. Um, I think that 
it's just a, it's an interesting time because you're dealing with the grieving process of the season and knowing that that specific group of people, both teammates and coaches, just won't be the same. There's always changes, and there's a grieving process that goes along with that. And I think embracing that uh, is an important part of it, not not like uh, pushing that stuff down or ignoring it. I think it's, it allows you to stay present, to have gratitude for the, the, uh, the feelings and the, and the emotions and the moments you've had with these guys. So we know Aaron Rodgers, very intelligent human being. We know he's not going to make the wrong decision. But I have a hard time believing, Pat, that this guy would go out on the top of his game without – winning a Super Bowl. Do, do, do you feel the same way as I do with that? I, I do, and I, and I think but it's probably going to be a lot more thought out than you and I are prepared to deal with. He's right. probably thinking about, okay, uh, this is where it's at. This is what I can do, and I can't uh, get back to the Packers. Uh, what, what are my lot in life? Do I want to go to a team that doesn't have an opportunity that can control that? I mean, certainly you're not going to get down to the Packers to uh, let you go into the NFC you know, conference in, in terms of uh, playing them a couple times a year or something like that. And whether or not uh, he says that you can do that and then uh, walk into the sunset, I think certainly the, the last game would stick in him a little bit. I think any athlete uh, would not necessarily have had the choice to go out that, that way and the opportunity. But also I think he's a very proud guy in terms of Going someplace uh, just to to catch catch a check, and uh, so I think he he's going to be participant. And I think certainly make, making the deal work at the expense of some money and whatever is probably more important than uh, saying, "Well, if that doesn't work, I'll retire." There's there's a deal in there somewhere, and I think that that's I think that's the last thing that he would like to do because uh, then then nobody. Comes out ahead in that game. In terms of you got uh, Adams sitting there with without anybody, uh, not a quarterback to get him the ball, and you got uh, no quarterback. You're not making a trade. The Packers don't have a quarterback, so uh, uh, it, it's very complicated. But he he's had enough time to think about it for last year, and uh, and I, I think think tongue in cheek whether or not that job at the Jeopardy is still open is is, is really a question. <laughs> but uh, but I think that. Uh, more so than not, if somebody he's probably throwing a little bit of a lifeline out there and saying, "Well, if, if they're interested, let me know, and I could plug that into my equation as well." So <laughs> uh, it, it's it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. A lot of drama, and probably the, the best thing that's happened is that uh, there's some question about whether Brady is coming back and and whether he's going to continue and. And he, uh, you know, he's the same situation. He may look at this thing, things at the Tampa Bay are kind of over the hill now. Where we, it wasn't like we, I mean, they they got beat up pretty good, but they came back. But uh, whether or not they can go after it another time is is uh, another issue. So he's left it open. Maybe he did it a little bit just because of Aaron. But I, in a kind of in a, in a dream world, you say, well, okay, there's. Uh, Brady retires uh, out of Tampa Bay and Rodgers goes to Tampa Bay and the <laughs> Packers get the three number one draft choices and things like this. That, that uh, oh. To have to play him every year for a number of years is not going to go well with anybody. But, uh, you know, those are things you think about when you've got nothing else to do. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it is a it is a wild theory, but it's it's one I've thought about as well. I really hope uh, that doesn't happen. But, Pat, I think we should throw your hat in the ring for the for the Jeopardy job. I think you could do a pretty good job on there. No, I watched, in fact, I watched it last night just for the heck of it, because there's this person on there that's uh, got like over a, like a million four. Oh, wow. And, and they won $60-some thousand dollars last night. Holy smokes. I mean, smart. I mean, there were some of the questions that, Answered, but uh, you know I don't know if they're going to have uh, the, the the round playoff or whatever they call it. If there's anybody else even come close, but this person's been on it for 40 straight days. Wow! So uh, I think Aaron would love to be part of that. Yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, what's your favorite game show? I've always been a big fan of Jeopardy, and I really like uh, I really like Family Feud as well. Is Jeopardy your your go to game show? It is now. There's not much on anymore. I mean, uh, it, uh, Pat Sajak's uh, you know gone, gone on to the wind a little bit, and uh, but uh, I think mean, uh, Jeopardy is it makes you think a little bit. So that's probably good. And around age, you like to exercise your mind is very important. Fair enough. Uh, well, let's exercise your mind a bit more, Pat, because the MLB Hall of Fame uh, has been a big topic. This week, David Ortiz, the sole selection from the Baseball Writers Association of America. Um, so that means no Barry Bonds, no Roger Clemens, no Kurt Schilling, no Sammy Sosa uh, in the Hall of Fame. And a lot of those guys, their final year on the ballot. It's a debate every year. It has been for, for a decade now on whether or not the likes of Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. And again, this year, not. 75% of the vote, which means you don't get in. Like I said, David Ortiz, the only guy to get in from this year's ballot and in his first year of eligibility. It's a it's a slippery slope. It's an interesting topic. So I really just want to cut you loose. What's your takeaway this week as you see all the debate and uh, uh, bickering, if you will, around uh, this topic? Well, you know, there's an awful lot of uh, controversies out there about this whole business. It's not something that's just new, but it's been... Right out there for years in terms of you know how the selection is made and the, who's doing all the voting and things like this. And I'm, apparently it's all print media people that do all the voting, uh, broadcasters and television personnel, people like that, people that are involved in the game on a daily basis are not a part of that at all. And uh, and so you know, Vince Scully, for example, not even uh, doesn't have a vote. Bob Costas doesn't have a vote doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, it just seems like somebody should have gotten a little, little bit more aggressive in terms of making some changes over a period of time that uh, now it's kind of lost. And to see that uh, they, they set, shut down, I guess it was used to be 15 years you'd be on the ballot, now it's 10. Yep. And uh, and so I think there's a, just an inconsistency and a kind of a... Uh, they just, with respect to... PEDs and steroids and things like this, you know, if they got everybody that's there, did some people sneak through? I mean, the controversy already, I listening this morning to a, a talk show in terms of the guy that was on there who didn't have, doesn't have a vote, but if he did, you know, it would have, you would have had those guys in the Hall of Fame. And he's saying, what's the difference? He said that there was some controversy regarding uh, Ortiz, Big Poppy, yeah. Yep. With respect to uh, drugs and things like this, or where it was, he was involved with the mafia, and what's the difference of they said of that being doing things with the mafia, 
with respect to uh, some illegal drugs or whatever in terms of uh, banned substance, I mean, and versus uh, they're going involved with respect to the people that were involved in all this investigations and things like this. And so there's inconsistency there. And uh, it just seems like it's a little bit archaic. I know my, my wife, Renee, just doesn't follow this stuff closely, but she says it's kind of stupid to only have one person <laughs> get in the Hall of Fame baseball and the NFL gets, you know, nine or whatever it is that they get in there. That just shows the general public is looking at this, probably thinking, shaking their head and crazy. I mean, and it even leaves uh, out the whole question of uh, does does you know, Pete Rose have another opportunity to come in or is he out of the block because it's been more than 10 years? I mean, it just seems like they're making a, a bad situation even worse by not really sitting down and getting something that makes a lot of sense. I mean, they've done some good things with respect to legacy players and the, the old uh, uh, people that were in the ball games, you know, 70 years ago thereabouts and things like this. But to have one person come in and get 70, that's a pretty high standard, you know, 75%. Right. And, uh, but then to see some of the people that got 50% or whatever, 11% or 12 some guys, Billy Wagner, for example, a good player, but none of them had the stature of uh, you know, Bonds and, and Clemens. And, and then Schilling's another story. I mean, the guy was saying, uh, much as he made the dislike his social aspects of things and his uh, his media page and what he did and things like this, mm-hmm. you know, that was all after he, what his baseball career was right. over. And uh, that makes no sense at all. I mean, if you go through everybody that uh, – that situation happened too. Uh, after their career is over, you probably have to bounce a bunch of people out of the, the uh, Hall of Fame, and so that—that's uh, another situation that just doesn't uh, pass the smell test, as far as I'm concerned. So, it's—it's it's just, uh, I think, very controversial. There'll be a lot of discussion over it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Talking MLB Hall of Fame here with former Wisconsin Athletic Director Pat Richter. And it's really hard to make any any, any people, three or four people, agree on anything, it seems, these days, Pat. So uh, for, for the MLB Hall of Fame to have that rule, it's it's still a big question mark to me. But let's, let's do a little exercise. I'd like to know where you stand on the following people. If you had a vote, which I know neither of us do, but let's pretend we do just for the time being. Barry Bonds, you would vote him where? In? Yes, I would. I, I would, too, because I think the my rule of thumb, and, and I, I would agree with Clemens here, too. I, Roger Clemens, would you say he deserves to be yep. in? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so we're, we're on the same page. If you can, the way I look at it, right, if I'm to thoroughly explain to somebody the history of baseball, if I can do that without mentioning your name, maybe you don't deserve to be in. But can I tell you about Major League Baseball, without saying the name Barry Bonds, probably not. Can I explain it without saying the name Roger Clemens? Probably not. And I know there's all the controversy around PEDs, but it seems pretty obvious to me, and I'm a young guy, so maybe maybe I view it differently, but it seems pretty obvious to me that these guys are one of the greatest to ever do it, two of the greatest to ever do it, and to not have them in the Hall of Fame just puts a big blemish on the uh, history of baseball and, and the legitimacy of the Hall of Fame. It's really, a, like I mentioned earlier, a slippery slope. But that's the way I view it. Yeah, no, I would agree with you in terms of, I mean, there's something special about Cooperstown and the Hall of Fame and things like this. I mean, it's kind of, there's an aura about it 
just the same as Ken was with respect to the Hall of Fame in football, NFL. And but but when things like this happen, you know, it's great to visit and whatever, and and they keep those kinds of things in the drawer out to show, you know, what would have happened. You know, when somebody is involved in it, maybe you start to make the different differentiate in terms of did they did they lie about it in testimony or whatever. I mean, uh, like a. Uh, uh, Brown, you know, in terms of uh, they saying denying, denying, or whatever. Some of those guys that testified in Congress and things like this. And uh, but you know they're they're just forcing it. I, mean, I think most people your age and younger uh, look at this as an era, as saying what's the big deal? I mean, I mean there's there's yeah. some proof that says well there's, some of these things were performance enhancing. I mean just now they're starting to get around to. The pitchers and things like this, and what did they do? Doctoring baseball and things like this. And that, uh, I mean, I dare say that there's probably an awful lot of them that are in the Hall of Fame that uh, right. put a little stuff on the ball and whatever, and uh, scuffed it up, and you know, a little bit of, a bit of stuff in their hat and whatever. Who knows what it is? But it just seems like there's, you know, you, it's only the ones that make the the headlines that uh, have suffered for this whole. And suffer is not the right word. But have been penalized, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think there's, you know, no, nobody has come up with any empirical evidence to say if you had steroids and whatever, and you were a baseball player, it made you, you know, strike out less. It made you hit the ball. It made you hit it farther, perhaps. And certainly, Bonds hit a lot of home runs that you wouldn't need to have been on steroids for those to be out of the park. And whether or not the uh, the, uh, the implication that the you, you enhancements made you a better baseball player. They made you in terms of statistics, in terms of power and things like this, but you still have to have the eyesight to, to make connections and ball. I mean, Ted, be interesting to see what Ted Williams would think about this today in terms of, yeah. you know, you, you had to have an eye, you have to make contact, and, and maybe once you make contact, then, you know, the fact that you've had some steroids or... PEDs or whatever might from a power standpoint, but I think there's still a lot of things in there Does that make you ground pick up a ground ball better. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> things like that. There's an awful lot of skill involved in that re- regard. No, you are you are absolutely correct. I'm in complete agreement with everything you just said. That is, uh, it's an interesting topic, and I'm sure about this time next year we'll probably do it again because it, it comes up every year. But uh, this is the Pat Richter Show here on ESPN Madison. We're brought to you in part by Oak Park Place and Simden Chevrolet in Mount Horeb. Want to wrap it up now, Pat, with a little Big Ten hoops talk. Uh, best conference in college basketball, Pat. I mean, it has been just nuts on Tuesday. Illinois topping Michigan State to take control of first place in the conference. Uh, the Badgers, as of recording, a half game back, tied with Michigan State for second place. Ohio State just a half game back behind those two. And Purdue just a half game behind Ohio State. So five teams all within a game and a half of the Big Ten lead right now. Uh, every game, it seems, Pat, in, in, in conference play this year, whether it be a, a game like Michigan State and Illinois or Wisconsin-Michigan State, which we saw last week at the Kohl Center, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, it, it just feels like the Big Ten is, is presenting the best basketball in the country right now. It really has, and they've got some outstanding players. It seems like every team has got uh, a player that uh, has really distinguished himself in terms of the way that they can play the game and national recognition. Uh, I got a kick out of uh, Andy Katz you know, pumping uh, Johnny Davis's tires on, 
on the Big Ten Network yeah. the, last week in terms of saying he had three, um, you know, player of the year type uh, games. Uh, obviously, uh, it was just before the Michigan State game, which he didn't, didn't, didn't do very well. But, uh, you know, and I and I think that uh, that the, the teams that Coburn didn't play last night, I don't think, and Illinois still won. And uh, and so it's, it's teams can play well regardless of who's playing on the on the court. And uh, I think that you know Wisconsin showed that uh, Tyler Wall was a very important part of this team. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe he's more important in some respects than Johnny Davis in terms of the things that he brings in terms of matchups and things like that. And so they just didn't have an answer for the Michigan State uh, physicality and things like that. But they came back within five, and I think everybody thought that, even Tom Izzo probably thought that, well, they're making a run, and so you've got to look out for them. But that's when you needed a guy like Wall in there in terms of the glue that kind of keeps it together. But it's going to be an interesting conference and, and Big Ten tournament, and uh, I think, like I say, the Badgers hate to lose one at home like that, but uh, it's going to be very important now to to get another victory against Nebraska on the road. And those are the games you have to make sure you lock them, lock them up and put them away, and uh, take your chances at playing the Purdue's and Illinois and Michigan States, and give you an opportunity to get into the tournament, uh, Big Ten tournament, and do some damage there, and, and in the NCAA tournament as well. No doubt about it. The home stretch of the college basketball season, Pat. This is uh, one of my favorite times of the year in sports because uh, you never know what will happen, especially come uh, conference tournament and, uh, of course, NCAA tournament time. So it's uh, it's a real exciting time. One, one more thing I want to ask you about, Pat, before uh, we, we wrap it up is on the football side of things. Joe Rudolph leaving Wisconsin uh, in, at the end of December uh, to, for, for another job out in Virginia. Now, uh, the pack or excuse me the badgers looking for a replacement for kind of the offensive coordinator position uh bobby ingram uh is a name that's been brought up uh as a potential suitor for that position he was a 14-year nfl vet now with his eighth season uh, with the baltimore ravens third as the tight ends coach mark andrews become one of the league's best tight ends uh do you know bobby at all do you, do you have you known bobby and, and what do you think of a uh, potential suitor for for this role at wisconsin no, I don't know him. I've never met him, but uh, certainly heard a lot of good things about him. And uh, and I think in that respect, you know, he he doesn't have a lot of experience in terms of being a coordinator as such. But certainly he's played, been around at different levels and the pros and things like this. And that probably dictates a little bit about what is Paul going to do in terms of uh, is he going to be the play caller or things like this mm-hmm. in terms of taking that back in terms of. You know what can Bobby Ingram do, and in certain things that, uh, with his experience, it fits into what the rest of the staff looks like. And so, so I think you know it would be uh, seemed like a pretty good uh, hire. And certainly, uh, uh, Paul knows him. It's not a, someone that he doesn't know. He's been involved with him in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And so he was a heck of a player. I know that. A little bit of conflict with his son is on the, on the team right now. Yep, Dean. And so, so, but I, I think certainly. Uh, the experience he's had, whatever, would maybe attract some of the, uh, these guys with respect to uh, the receivers and things like this, and maybe even some of the guys that are in the portal. Who knows uh, whether that Williams kid uh, has uh, that, that means anything to him to have a guy like that in round. And so you never know. It's going to be interesting. It sounds like we've still got some exciting things happening with respect to the portal. What Wisconsin provides yeah. some 
some competition and uh, put a little bit of pressure on everybody. And so it's a good thing, good problem to have. It is a good problem to have with Wisconsin football. Uh, last thing on that, Pat, is you know Chris McIntosh, the, the athletic director at Wisconsin, still in his first year. So what's the process for an AD when there's a high-profile opening like an offensive coordinator? Uh, how hands-on would you expect McIntosh to be here? Is he pretty hands-off? Is he heavily involved? What's, what's usually the protocol for something like this? I would expect he'd be hands-off. I mean, you really can't get involved. Uh, you shouldn't get involved with respect to the coaching hires and things okay. like this that are for another coach, head coach is responsible. And, uh, you know, if you do that, then all of a sudden if you have a problem or whatever, then, you know, you, you can be the problem, the bigger problem, because you interfered with the regular, what he would have, that person would have done to hire for his staff. Coaches, you really got to let them dictate who they're going to have on their staff because you wouldn't let them responsible for the success of that team. They're the, they're the one person that has got it on the line. So you've got to let them have the right to do what they think is right. And, uh, and I think I expect that that's the way Mac would operate. Gotcha. Appreciate the insight as always. He's the great Pat Richter, former Wisconsin athletic director. Pat, we'll talk to you again next week. Okay. Thanks, Alex. Good night. This has been the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand.